0: From victory, not for victory. Let me say it again: the Lord has been showing me that we're coming uh, from a place from victory, not trying to get a victory. And let me explain what I mean by that. It's very interesting in the sense that uh, this week on Thursday, I well, actually on Wednesday afternoon, late Wednesday afternoon, my wife tells me she said, "John, you have," to, and I told. Uh, some of our, our, our leaders here are going on uh, campus worship on Thursday night. But it, it was just a place of a victory uh, coming from a victory that made my life, made my it made my week. Is that what happened? Was a Wednesday afternoon, my wife said, John, you got to take a graduate school exam. I'm like, again? She's like, yeah, again. I'm like this is my fourth graduate school exam, y'all. you know I've been in a couple of programs, and so I'm transferring my PhD work into uh, another place because the, the mentor, the the guy that's your chair, because you really have to have a guy that fights for you in the PhD. It's, it's really an intricate process. for one of those that know that process. Anyway, it's boring. You don't have to worry about it. But nonetheless, you gotta have somebody that's really gonna fight for you with friends. And I said, you know, I'm gonna transfer in, and then I thought everything was gonna be copacetic, and they said, you gotta you gotta take another exam. Like, I don't do well on exams. Like, that's just, I mean, you know, how about, doesn't that just make your day on, on Wednesday afternoon, you've got to take a graduate school interest exam on Thursday at 1 o'clock, and you have no way to prepare. Right? Isn't that how the Lord works? He takes us to a place, you know, when we get apathetic in the Lord, you know, we don't feel any emotion. Like, maybe you came in today and you're just like, I don't feel anything. She's singing about freedom. He's singing about this, uh, this, when of in Christ, and we're just worshiping. And someone's just like, Lunch. Right? And so, what happens? God has a way of stirring stuff up in us. You know, He puts us in situations. So, all of a sudden, I have to take this exam. I was like, all right, you know, Lord, um, we need a miracle. It's time to walk on the water, it's time to raise the dead. It's time for a brain transfer, whatever you need to do, an implant, eye, root. Do, what, do what you got to do, Lord, do what you want to, no, mind, and so I was like, just do whatever you got to do, Lord, and so I go to that Thursday facility, I'm in there, I'm the only person there, right, because they're just like fitting me in to take this exam, the proctor, he's working on some, I don't know, he's in some master civil engineering, I don't know what he's in, and he's there and works for the school. He's like, got his 40s. And so we're sitting in there. And he's like, oh, now listen, you know, you're you ready to take this test. I was at the exam. I am explaining. Hey, look, I just got noticed on Wednesday afternoon. I'm taking this thing today. I mean, there's no way to prepare. It. The last time I studied, I studied for an interest exam in the grad school. It was five years ago, people. Five years. Five years ago. And a lot of pounds ago. You don't trust me. All right, so five years ago. And so he's looking at me. He's like, oh, the people are very nervous. Usually do the best. I want to look at him and say, don't bust out that pop psychology me on me, Jabroni. But I didn't. I just looked at him and I said, "Okay, thank you. Thank you. And he said, look, here's what I want you to do. Put your hands on the table. It's right in front of a computer screen. You know, hands on the table. I'm thinking, what am I doing, yoga? What are we doing here? And he goes, I want you to breathe in. I said, it is yoga. And so I was like, "Ah." and then I did this. He goes, "Okay, you can start. I said, hold on. I said, let me bow before the Father. Hello, somebody. And so I said a prayer. I'm like, like, I got to pray, sweet Jesus. I love you. And if I fail the same, I am walking away from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? I mean, come on, I'm shallow. And so I'm like praying, Lord, you got to do something. I need a miracle. Come on. I mean, bring some manna from heaven. I don't know, have an angel show up, take the test for me, have the, like, the screen just, like, let the, 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 the letters pull in, just like them up, whatever, and I'm like, okay, so I take the test, and so you have this preliminary immediate response, and I just gotta give praise to Jesus, because I am, listen, um, I, I failed 10th grade, y'all know that, so, okay, let's get it over with, and so I take the test, and literally, when he sees the number, he looks at me, and he says this, he says, I just want you to know something, you scored 20 to 30 points higher on most people I see to take this test. I just want to just say, that's Jesus. That's what. See, and the Lord taught me, reminded me, that we come a place from victory because of Jesus Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and right, and then we get the Holy Spirit. So we come from a place from victory, we're not fighting for victory, and so what happens is whatever Way, whether it's disease, relationship, whatever it is, we're coming from a place of victory. is. said, I mean, John, if it's from victory that other people die, I just want to say something that you can still bring glory to Jesus when you die. If you read scripture, that's what happens. So, uh, Gospel of John 21, let's just turn there. So, we, we've been doing this series, obviously, on uh, having courage to trust the promises of God. And I told you, God is going to continue to put us in places this year that we're going to have that courage. John 21. So here's the idea behind that. So I, I began to over this and, and the Lord was just kind of speaking, John, this is what it is. I'm a God that just comes to you even if you go away from me. He said, I'm a God who's constantly pursuing you. I'm a God who's constantly trying to restore you. I'm coming to a place of, of, that God wants to bring restoration in our lives. Because you see, for those in this room of us, who God has called and surrendered and there's been this salvation uh, deal that's going on in our lives and we are fully invested in the Lord. We don't always fully feel Him. We don't want to follow Him. We constantly sin, but every time we do that, there's the Spirit of God rising up within us, reminding us that there is something greater than what we've just done in His name. is mm-hmm. Okay, so John 21. After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Now this is the third time that Jesus has revealed himself since the resurrection. He reveals himself there at the tomb. He reveals himself behind the closed doors that you've read about it with Doubting Thomas, right? Well, the, the twin, right? And, he, and he's revealed himself. This is now the third time they're there at the Sea of Galilee. They're going to go out fishing. And here Jesus is going to appear to them for the third time post-resurrection. After this, verse 1, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias or Galilee. And notice what the word of God says. He revealed himself, I love this, in this way. Father, I don't know how to preach and teach, but only the Holy Spirit does in me, because it is a calling and it is a gift. And so, Lord, I bow before you and ask that you just reveal yourself today in the way that you know we need to hear. Not I pray that I do not come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit and a power. Where there's prophecy, bring it, Lord. Where there's miracles and healing, bring it, Lord. Where there's encouragement and exhortation, bring it, Lord. Where there's leadership, bring it. Where there's service, bring it. Where there's mercy, Bring it, Lord, flood over and in us the very Spirit of God who was the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I pray, Lord, because you've forgiven us for our sins and we acknowledge that we are sinners, but today and evermore, we are in the classification of sainthood. We pray that you would do something and through us speak. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving us. We come before you humbly. and we say, whatever your will is, you do it. And you do what you want because you're good. And all God's people said, what? Amen. Amen. So he revealed himself in this way. So here's the main idea. It's on Summit Church Facebook. You want to look at the notes. Here it is. No matter what we're going through, we can trust the promises of Because Jesus is constantly pursuing us. This is a message of restoration. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God wants to continually restore us into his presence so that we then can reveal him to the world. There is a mark of restoration on us. When we sin, His grace is greater. When we fail, His strength is stronger. When we are blind, His eyesight is better. And when we are bondage, His miracles are freer. I'm just telling you, the Lord wants to do something today in it This is a message of restoration. Again, no matter what we're going through, we can trust the promises. We can have courage to trust the promises of God leading up All the way to the passion of Christ. We can trust it because he is constantly pursuing us. And when you don't think he's pursuing you, here's what's going to happen. He's going to allow you to be in a situation where you become desperate for him. And you're going to feel like you never hear from him. And that he is far from you. And though you can't feel him, he is there. Because you have to remember, we don't carry Jesus. Mm, Come on, somebody. He carries that's right? So why? Why can we have courage? I want you to say in Jesus' he is pursuing us. Restoration is pursuit language. So here's some ideas. Here's some ideas I want to just kind of get to. In Jesus' pursuit of us, idea number one, we can trust Jesus to reveal himself. I just say, God, where are you? Where are you? Show me where you work. Mind my, my, it's not what is your will for my life? It's what is your will and now God adjusts my life. So he's going to say, in this, Jesus, we can trust him to reveal himself. He will reveal himself. He will come, he will come, whether he will send an angel, whether the Holy Spirit will just show up powerfully in your life, something will happen where Jesus is constantly pursuing us. I want you to look there in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed, say reveal. Uh, that was pretty good. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He, say it again. Himself in this way. Two times he uses the same word. Let me give you the definition of this word. This word means this I make clear. Listen, he would not use the same word twice in the gospels that you know he's going to proclaim over and over and over. He would not use the same word twice if it was not something he wanted to communicate with us. He is saying, I make clear. I make clear. I am making clear. And why is he trying to reveal himself to us? Well, one is salvation. We understand that. And two is this, we are believers. He's coming to us. Because he's saying, I'm going to reveal myself. Because there's a place. There's a situation. There's a response of words. There's an emotion to be felt. There's a thought to be had. There's something that we need to do to express Jesus. Let's look at verse 2. He's going to name some disciples. Six of them are the disciples we see in Acts chapter 1. There's another one that's not. Simon Peter. Thomas called the twin. I mean Thomas. We saw that in chapter 20. Nathanael from Cana. He's not listed in Acts 1, but nonetheless he's there. One of his disciples. Nathanael from Cana of Galilee. Zebedee's son, James and John, right? And two others, we don't know who they are, of his disciples were together. There are seven disciples there. And what does Peter do? Peter says in verse 3, I'm going what, saints? See, some of y'all that like to fish, there you go. That's why you like Peter. Here we go. So, I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. And this is what the other disciples said. We're going with you. Hey, hey, we don't know where Jesus is. We don't understand this resurrection thing. I'm going to go back and do the last thing. I'm going to go back and do the last thing I did before he called me. See, sometimes we don't know what to do. We just go back and do the last thing we were called. So somebody goes back, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't understand. Peter's like, right. I don't understand. I'm just going to go back fishing. Yeah, you got to understand something. God rescued him from being a fisherman. But he also rescued him. And the technique that he used to fish was applicable to the technique he used to fish people. I'm going fishing, some people said with him. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got him to the boat. But that night, what did they catch, saints? Nothing. They go back to the place. Because I just, I don't know, I just, I'm just going back. And there's nothing there. There's sometimes it's just listen, and I'm trying to give you, I'm not saying listen, when you don't know what to do, do the last thing God told you to do. That's a spiritual law, that's good, that's good. But I'm talking about, this is the reason why we need restoration. Because sometimes when we walk away from the Lord in the sense that instead of following hard after Him, we just kind of follow ourselves. We kind of, it's always we're going back to what we used to do, not going into what God used to do. And when we go back to what we used to do, we end up doing nothing. Nothing that is for the kingdom. See, listen, pain and grief and confusion will cause us not to recognize Jesus. Listen, it, it comes over us. Pain and grip, listen, we're always going back. It's very easy always to go away. It's always easier to go back than it is to move forward in the Lord. It's always easier. Remember what Brother uh, uh, Ritz said, you have a, a New Testament point, always has an Old Testament picture. A New Testament point, Always has an Old Testament what picture. So let's- excuse me, Peter looks up and he sees Jesus looking at him and he runs out and he's weeping. Remember, he's the one who called down curses on himself. He's like, if I know Jesus, like, I'm cursed. I mean, he's coming from a place of failure. He's coming from a place where he feels like I have failed. I have rejected the Lord, the one who laid down his life for me. I'm in a place of, I don't know what to do. So I guess when you fail, you always go back home. Now, I'm not saying home isn't bad. Don't hear me. Don't did into something I'm not saying. But I'm going to tell you what I am saying. That a prophet is without merit and is only untamed. It's always easier to go back. But look what happens. So Genesis 3, Genesis 3, verse 8. Just look, look at the passage here with me. Here's the Old Testament picture. You know what happens. You know that um, Adam and Eve sinned, right? Adam and Eve sinned, and look there there in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, or the cool of the day. And they did what? They hid themselves. See, this is what I'm trying to say to somebody. Somebody I'm trying to say that God is consistently, Jesus is constantly pursuing us regardless of what we have done to him. He is constantly coming to us regardless of our failures, regardless of what we've said, regardless of what we've done or run away from. He is pursuing us, and his love pursuit of us is greater than our failures in us. So here's the picture, they hide, they hide. And what's interesting, the word hide is to withdraw. Come on, there's another, is withdrawal. So what we do is we withdraw. We get to the point where the extent of our worship of the Lord, the extent of our service of the Lord, at best, at best in our life, it's a corporate gathering. I mean, where's the discipleship? Here's what, I'm gonna tell you straight up. Here's what I know. When somebody loves Jesus a lot, they are gonna serve Jesus a lot. Mm-hmm. I said, I can't help it. When I love Jesus, I can't help it. serve. Jesus said, I mean, we know, we know what the scripture says in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what, saints? And give his life as a ransom for many. If the King of kings and Lord of lords come to serve, then who am I? So they hide, they withdraw. It's easy to withdraw. When we feel like God isn't there, we withdraw. When we don't get an answer to a prayer, we withdraw. When we get confused, we withdraw. When there's pain, we withdraw. When there's grief, we withdraw. When we are when we scared, we withdraw. But here's what I want you to know that our ability to run away from God does not go past the length of his arm to reach us, and we withdraw. They pulled away. And here's what's interesting. I want you to look there, at verse 8 of chapter 3. It says, and, and it's amazing to me, when they, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. I love scholars on this. I love what they say. The interesting point of this is, if they heard the sound of the Lord God in the cool of the day, that is around the evening, and if it is in the evening, in the evening sacrifice, mm-hmm. and so six hours on the cross, hmm around the evening sacrifice, Mm-hmm. And so what I'm saying to you is this is that if they heard the sound and they recognized the sound, then God had must have been talking with them before. See, so you, don't, you don't recognize the sound of God unless he's been there before. So this implies in Scripture that there has been this relationship between Adam and Eve. There's a relationship in that place. Like God, we ought to know when God is speaking. We ought to know, and if we don't know, we can trust that He's pursuing us over my inability to hear to restore me. He's bringing everything back. So let's fast forward back there into uh, John chapter 21. John chapter 21 verse 4. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus can be pursuing us so much that we might not even recognize him. And you know what Jesus does? When we don't see him, he is going to call. Verse 5. Men. Jesus called to them. When we don't see him, he begins to call us. You don't have any fish, do you? What was their response? Now, but see what happens? Because pain causes us not to hear the voice of the Lord. Pain causes us not to have the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. So we don't don't sense his presence around us. We don't hear his call from up for us. And so what happens is we're in a place where we're going, where are you, God? Maybe I've stepped away from God. God is calling to restore me back. Maybe I'm not on fire as I used to be. And God's calling me back. I mean, I believe that God wants us to move mightily in his presence. And because he moves mightily in our presence. And so God is trying to call us into this relationship. He's calling us deeper. This is constant pursuit. But here's what happens. So when we don't sense his presence and we don't hear his voice, we know that that goes against the scriptural law. Uh, Gary, please forgive me for this. I'm going to bounce around in John chapter 10 a little bit. I did not tell Gary this, but I feel like we need to go there. John chapter 10, so if you got there, just turn back a couple of scriptures there. Phone, pad. I don't care what you got. Bible, old school, right? There's no school like old schools. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Verse 10, John 10, 3 and 5. Can you tell I feel like I need to preach a little bit today? No, okay. Can you feel like I feel the need to teach a little bit today? All right, here we go. Verse three and five. You see, what happens is we don't hear his voice when we come from a place of pain, grief, hurt, frustration. I don't know what to do. All this stuff. We begin to say, I don't hear God. I don't hear God. But just because I don't hear God doesn't mean he ain't speaking. Verse three. The doorkeeper opens John ten. Verse three. The doorkeeper opens it for him. And the sheep hear his what? Says Ah. Uh, he calls, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Notice he's called us by name. This is individualized attention. He goes, verse 4, when he has, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his what, saints? They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the what? Strangers. So when we don't know what to do and we think something is strange, we just sit. So yeah, I'm talking to some people today trying to hear the voice of the Lord, but I'm also talking to people here today that because we're not really been seeking God hard, we're not really, we just kind of need to come back to God. We need some restoration in our life that God is pursuing us. He's revealing himself to us. So he's around us, but we don't see him. He's speaking, and we don't hear him. So how does God show himself? Great question. John 21. John 21. Twenty-one, Verse 6. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. This is so good. This is so good. Verse 6. He says this. Jesus said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. He told them, and you'll find some, meaning fish. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of what? Therefore, the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, he said, what saints? It is the what? You see, you see, here's what happened. Though we fail, though we fail, the Spirit of God keeps in love with Him, the Spirit of God keeps us in love with Him because when we want to walk away from the Lord because we've sinned or all this other stuff and we feel this distance from the Lord or whatever, we're just frustrated because we can't hear so there's this distance though, we feel like He's not around us because the love of God is within us, the Spirit of God the love of God allows us to see the work of God so here's the protocol, God is always at work, John chapter 5, Jesus said, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing, but whatever the father does, these things the son also does In like manner, God is always at work in your school, he's in your job, he's at, he's at work, and so you're like, where are you? He's there, then where's your voice? I don't hear you, but then all of a sudden, in a desperate place, at a desperate time, then all of a sudden... God begins to work something out in circumstances that can clearly only be God. It was only God that I passed that test. It was only God. It is the Lord. Isn't it interesting that sometimes what we're called to do is just the opposite of what we think we should do? They were on the left side, and he said, you need to go to the right side. Some of us think we need to go here, but God is saying, just go here. Some of us are looking this way, and God says, just look the other way. I mean, God is that close. And then there's this miracle. And he recognized that it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped and plunged into the sea. Do you see the desperation of Peter? Do you see what Peter's doing? He desperately says, it is Jesus. He has come to me. He has come to me. And now my response is to sprint to him, to run. He dives. He just into the sea. They're about a hundred yards away. Let's keep reading. But since they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it. And bread. listen, Jesus is pursuing us, and the spiritual law is, is that he we can trust His promises because He will reveal Himself. Come back to Jesus because He is revealing Himself. Don't hide anymore. Don't withdraw anymore. He's got it. He is calling us back into a relationship with Him. Yes, we are going to go through times where we all will feel like we've fallen away. Mark chapter 10, excuse me, Mark 14 verse 50. When they arrested Jesus, the Word of God says, in Mark 14, verse 15, says, And they all left him and fled. That's what the Word of God says. That's what the Word of God says, that they all fled. Yet he came. Jesus is pursuing us. I want want you to see some points here. I want you to see something that's pretty powerful that I think is amazing. There were seven disciples. And I'm quoting a guy. Um, can't remember his name. I had to look it up. Uh, there's, there's, there's a, it's interesting here that there were seven disciples at the beginning of John 21. And these seven disciples represent spiritual completion. I want you to see some points here. They were fishing at night. They were fishing at night. See, when we try to withdraw from God, we go and do it our way. They were fishing at night, and they caught nothing. But when they fished during the day, when they did it, Jesus' way represents the light. They got exactly what they were looking for. So we can trust the promises of God because Jesus is going to reveal himself. We can trust the promises of God because Jesus will provide us the very thing that we seek. He's going to provide the very thing that we seek. Some of us are seeking relationships. Some of us are seeking Purpose and design. Some of us are seeking goals and all these things. He will provide the very thing that we seek. All I wanted was a, a career that I, I would have this purpose and direction. And God taught me in the ministry. And I'll be honest with you, I can't be more thankful and grateful at times because I feel more purpose and I can lay my head down at night knowing I'm doing the will of God compared to doing the will of John. I can trust already is doing the very thing that we seek. And I want you to see something that's it's interesting. It was during the day when the day was breaking that Jesus encountered Peter. That means that Jesus breaks through the darkness. See the spiritual ideas here? I mean, You see the spiritual metaphors all throughout the passage? He's breaking through the darkness. Verse 9. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire there with a fish lying on it and bread. Now, I'm about to do a laugh, but I can't breathe. The reason why this is so powerful is not only is Jesus going to reveal himself to us. We might not see his presence. We might not hear his voice, but we will experience His miracle. That's how he's wants to be. Like you see, John, I don't, I don't experience miracles. I want to say this today. When somebody who's a believer in this room knows that they're far from the Lord, and they come back to the Lord this morning, already right now God's restoring them in their heart, and they're going to physically respond to what God's already done in their heart. It's not the physical response that, 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 that saves them. God has already excuse me, restored them, right? They're just trying to reconnect and, and Personal with the Lord. But what's amazing about this is that we get to see the miracle. We get to see Him come forward and say, "Hey, Lord, is an act of worship. Like I'm, I'm physically doing what You've already done in my heart, right? Like right now, God's doing that in somebody. But here's what's interesting about this passage: Not only uh, do we get to experience the miracle because Jesus is revealing Himself. Not only is Jesus going to provide the very thing that we see, but Jesus is going to restore us, restore us from the very pain that we experienced. Watch this. Verse nine. When they got out on land, they saw a the charcoal fire there with a fish lying on it. And I'm, I'm, mean, I mean, I'm indebted to this because it, because I'm indebted to the guy who wrote this. I'm just using an interesting metaphor that he shows. Remember what happened when? And what was Peter doing when he denied Jesus in John eighteen? He was sitting around the what? See what he's saying to Peter? You're sitting around a fire. You're sitting around a fire. You know, it it was at that place, it was at that man-made fire that you denied me. But there's a God-made fire where I'm going to restore thee. I'm going to bring you back. There's redemption all through this. Here in John 21, three chapters later, there's another fire. And the very thing that Peter was out to seek for his own physical needs, Jesus already had prepared. But it wasn't just his physical need of food and fish that he needed. What he needed was his spiritual restoration that would give him purpose and design. Because I'll tell you this, people can die of a broken heart before they'll die of not eating enough. I can't get over this passage. And then he says to Peter, in his restoration language, "Robbie, you don't come. Well, man, y'all come up here because I want y'all to play with me because I, I want us to move into this time." Verse ten. Bring some of the fish you just caught. Jesus told them. Verse eleven. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore. Notice it was Peter that hauled the net ashore. Notice it was Peter hauling the net. Because Jesus told him to do it. So some people got up and hauled the their ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Now, I'm not going to go into the nine years of numbers and how many different species of fish that they had during that time. And some speculate that that was all the species of fish that were known during that time. Therefore, that number uh, kind of figures in the revelation language that we're going to get that they'll be from every tribe and language and people and nation. They'll all be represented around the throne worshiping God. Like, I'm not going to bust into that. But what I am going to tell you is this, is that when God restores us, When God restores us, what he's saying is, is that there's more people to come. There's more people to come, and I'm going to use you, Peter, to do it. I'm going to use you. In other words, not only can we trust the promises of God and have courage to do so because Jesus is going to reveal himself, not only can we trust the promises of God but to have the courage to do so because Jesus is going to give us the very a thing that we seek, but we can trust the promises of God because Jesus is going to use us for his glory. And We see this. 153. Reminds me of John chapter 10. Sorry, Gary. John chapter 10, verse 16. John chapter 10, verse 16. You can turn back there if you want. But keep your finger there in John 21 or be able to scroll back on your phone. Verse six, John 10, verse 16 says, Jesus said, But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, then there will be, excuse me, then there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus prophetically says, There's more at your school, there's more in your family, there's more in your job. Listen, God is saying, I'm going to use, He's going to use us to bring more. God is going to use Robbie to bring more. There is an assignment. See, God's not giving up on us. Why should we give up on Him? Sometimes you just got to declare because of a place for victory. I didn't say you feel like you have victory. I didn't say you act like you have victory. I didn't say your circumstances are showing that you got victory. But sometimes you just got to declare, though I don't seek you, I trust you. Though I don't understand, you will show me. And though I don't feel you, I know you. Because of Jesus. And look what he did. Even though, John 21, verse 11, even though there were so many, the net was what? The net was what, Saints? In other words, God isn't going to tear you in the future. And what you have, you might think is so little. But God can take it and make it over much. Because God is trying to restore us. Though you might not see his work around you, it does not mean that his unseen hand is not at work. And though you don't hear his voice, it does not mean that he is not speaking. But what will happen is that he will put you in a place where it will work out, and the only one who can get the glory for that is Jesus. And that is your miracle, and that is God saying, I am with you. And you want to know why that happens? Because God had given up on us. John twenty one verse fifteen. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I'm not going to go into the Greek and the Phileo and the God building. Some of y'all heard many sermons on this. I just want to I just want to hit a point for you. I just want to remind you a point. He says, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said to him, You know that I Phileo. Uh, Jesus asked him if he. Love him. He, got over. he says, "No, I'm fully, brotherly loving." You. Then he gives me a sign. He says, "Look, feed my lambs. Like I'm restoring you because you're going to serve." I, I, I want you to know. Some, some people say, "Well, I don't feel connected. I don't feel this." I just want you to know. Well, not, nobody in this room. Let's just be honest. We're not some. We're not the best at connecting people uh, to each other. But hope that we can just start by connecting people to God. Because see. I, I know one thing. I don't have that me. I don't have this down. I don't. I, I don't know how to love each other as Jesus has loved me. I don't have now my horizontal part of the cross because the reason why I don't have that now is because I'm still working on the first one, the vertical part, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think if I can get that one down, I can do the second one. So I'm just asking for a little grace in it. So sometimes we don't love Jesus, like, I, mean, I want you to understand the passage he's saying, sometimes Bobby, sometimes John, and sometimes we are not going to love Jesus like he loves us. Right? It's okay. Because our, our our salvation is not based on our love for him. Our salvation is based on his love for us, for God's so love. Come on. So we're not going to be able to love him. you right? are not going to be able to love him like that. Like You're not going to be able to love him. You're not going to feel him all the time. You're not going to sense his presence all the time. But I promise you, on the authority of God's word, that he is pursuing you with everything that he has, because not only does he love you, but there's a place for you and something to accomplish for him so that people can come into his glory. God wants to restore the years that the locusts stole. Feed my lambs, my little ones. Starts with the little ones, right? Starts with the little ones, those old kids. Starts with the young believers, right? Starts with the little, all you know is that Jesus died for this. Why do we get you to say it The The second time he asked him, Simon, settled so down to you I got here, right? You, you unconditionally love me. And, uh, yes, Lord, he said, You know, Lord, you know that I failed, you know that I brotherly love you. Like he can't love, he can't love. Like Jesus can love. But God, it doesn't stop the assignment. Jesus said, Shepherd my sheep. Like, go serve. Like when we restore to the Lord, we can't help but go serve. And this is not a plea for you to do something. This is a plea not to do. This is a plea to you to love Him. Verse 17. He asked him a third time Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you follow me? He kind of went to the love of Peter. Peter was free. he asked him, the third time to you, fly away? Brother, Brotherly, love me. He said, Lord, you know everything? You know that I love you, fly away. Jesus says, be I can't love Jesus like I need to. I can't please him like I need to. I can't be for him what he is for me. But that is not the purpose of it, because if I could be for him, what he wanted me to be for him in the sense that, that I am equal to him, that I would get from the glory. My weakness is what brings it more. And so what happens in this passage, we see that it is restoration and reconciliation that's the heart of God. That Jesus knew that beforehand, and this is what I want to land the plane on. We can have security in anything else and everything else, because if you notice, even as John Piper said, after Jesus was resurrected, what did did the gospel of John chapter 20 verse 27 say? He said this, I want to turn back and just look at that, he says, and then he said, uh, John chapter 20, 27, and I love this, he said, he said to Thomas, uh, put your finger here and observe my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side, do not be an unbeliever, but be a believer. Well, what did he say when he appeared? He appeared to the uh, uh, disciple of Mary and them. He said, Go to my brothers, your Father, your God. What did he say? He's calling them family, John Paper would say. And what he said in John 20 and 19 and 21, he goes, Peace. He's giving them peace. In other words, Jesus gives us peace, not shame. Jesus is saying, I forgive you. All right, like John Paper said, Though you left me, though you all abandoned me. In Mark chapter 14, that you all ran away and I'm giving you peace, not shame, the curse has been reversed. No one is disqualified because the relationship was built on love. And in verses 15 and 19, what we just read, I love this. It's as if like John Piper said, he said to Peter, I have not given up on you. Shepherd my sheep. Do you not recall, Peter, that I prayed for you? Luke 22, 31 says this. Simon, Simon, this is right before the cross. Peter's trying to stop him. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. You say, Well, that's good, John. He prayed for Peter. What about us? Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Look what the scripture says. Who also does what, saints? Here's the lamb. Here's the lamb. God wants to restore us. If you're a believer in this room, and you feel distant from the Lord, and the Lord has spoken to you in some way, when Robbie and the band begins to sing over us, Say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, though I don't hear you. Lord, I'm going to trust you, though I don't see you. But Lord, I trust that you're working. See, that's the Spirit of God working, to draw you back into it. Because he has a place and an assignment for you. But greater than all that, he has a relationship. And then, as Jenna was whispering in my ear here, at the end of the prayer, she felt like the Lord was telling her, Think, John, I gotta get ready. I gotta get cleaned up. I gotta get right. Bobby is gonna sing, I think, the song they were singing. The song. And in the bridge it says this Thank you, Jesus. Just as I am, I come. Hallelujah. Oh, what amazing love! The title of the song was Jesus I Come. And it couldn't be any better song for us to sing at this moment right now and to declare at this moment right now. Because if you are in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have to do anything else but just say, Jesus saved me. I understand. You put your trust in him, right? I understand you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, because you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But the spirit of God is working in you. Don't run away from him. Embrace it, press into it, and just let Him be the God that He wants to be. I know you don't know what it looks like. I know you don't know where it's going to take you, what's going to happen. But I'll say this: I'll say this. I'm a fully satisfied customer of Jesus Christ. If you're sitting there, and you're just like, I don't know, I don't know. And you're afraid. Looks. I want to say something. You have a choice today: to trust your fear, or you have a choice today to trust love. And the last of my check, loved ones. So today, I bet you, God is calling you. I'm asking you to come and then believers in this room. If you need God to restore something, relationships, family, friends, suite mates, marriages that matter, God will do it. He's pursuing us. And we can trust that he will bring you restoration. Father, that is our prayer today. I am, I come. We don't come, we don't come, come Lord, because we've got great prayers. We just come just as I am. Just as I am. Just right where I'm at, right now, whatever it is that's in my heart, I just come. I don't have to try to do anything. I don't have to try to be something. I just come. I don't have to say the right words. I just come. I just come. Who today, Lord, needs to do that? And Lord, if there's someone in this room, that has never received you as one, Savior. Has never surrendered. You are calling them, and you are pressing hard on their heart, and they are trying to hold on to that seat that they're sitting in. And they're just holding on, and they're rubbing it off, saying, No, nah, no, nah, later, I need to talk to John. I need to work through this thing out. Listen, Lord, it's not a mental decision, it is a spiritual surrender. So, Lord, you're speaking to someone today. I pray that they would just pray right now, Jesus. Just as I am, I come. Hallelujah. Oh, what amazing love. That is my prayer. Would you speak to us today?